I like that. Yay. Glad that you're with us this morning. It's still not quite all of us back, obviously, and a regular Sunday between our two morning services, we'd have about 850 people together, but right now it's a little smaller than that, but it is still really good to be in person for those of us who are here. We know that we have lots of folks that are watching online, whether on our website or Facebook or YouTube, and we're glad that you're watching as well, and we're praying that you're not just watching, but you're participating and you're worshiping this morning, because that's what all of this is about. We have been talking about going all year long. Of all years to have a theme, go, we were told to stay. So of all years to come up with that, maybe next year we're going to make the theme stay, so then, then we'll know we can go out and it'll be different. So today we're talking about keep going, but keep going in the right way. Some of us maybe are wanting to give up. Larry kind of referred to how some of us are feeling and have felt, probably everyone, not just in the country, but in the world in some way or another, has felt like giving up in the midst of this. Maybe some are aren't watching, they're not coming, they're not participating, they just want to stop. Because life has become really, really difficult for many of us. It's not just about wearing a mask, it's about your job. It's about hugging your grandkids. It's about being together. It's about so many things that have become issues for us. But we need to keep going and not stop and not give up. There's a famous line, it's not on your screen today. Uh, it's attributed to Thomas Edison, but a lot of things are. But it's that many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close to success they were when they gave up. Don't give up. We're just around the corner. Keep going. And, and while we think about that, maybe as far as school goes or, or work goes, I'm talking about this with our faith. Don't give up. Think of a story years ago. It was, this is a pre-cell phone story. It's important for you to know that part. I went to uh, Mississippi, to Biloxi, Mississippi, with Barbara to meet her grandfather. Her grandparents lived in Biloxi, right on the back bay, beautiful, and near Keesler Air Force Base, where probably some of you have been stationed before. Beautiful place. And he had, his family, her family, had owned that land for years and years. Well, it was my first time to go. And so I go, and her family from Kansas came, and family from Maryland came, and we're all there together. Barbara's granddad was not a big fan of preachers, but her brother-in-law is a preacher, and I'm a preacher, and we get there. And as a matter of fact, his very first words to me when he met me were, another preacher. And so he tells us, after the second or third day, I want you to go out and dig a can pit. Now, some of you who are older know what a can pit is. I'd never heard of a can pit. I don't do a whole lot of manual labor anyway, as you can probably figure out. And so, but he tells us to go out and dig this thing. This, is, this was a long time ago. It is not ecologically sensitive. Let's just say that. You are to dig a hole on the ground where you will put all your tin cans later, okay? Maybe someday instead of an oil well, there will be a tin well there. I don't know. And so we were supposed to go out and dig this thing. It was six feet long. And it was going to be six feet deep. And we started thinking, maybe he really doesn't like preachers, you know? And so we're digging, and it is hot. It's humid like Houston, and it's probably 95 degrees outside. We have been digging for at least 45 minutes. We're at least a foot and a half down. 
And I said, you know, we need a break. And, I, and my brother-in-law said, we sure do. And I said, you know, I got that shirt I bought at Walmart, and it has a hole in it. We ought to take it back to Walmart. That'll give us a break. We can be in the air conditioning in the car on the way. So we drive about two miles out to the highway to turn left to go to Walmart in Biloxi. But there's a stoplight. And at the stoplight, there was a sign that said, Biloxi, two miles. Mobile, Alabama is like an hour that way. You can already figure out what we did. My brother-in-law said, you know, I've never been to Alabama. I said, I haven't either. I said, I bet they have a Walmart in Alabama we could take my shirt back to. He said, I bet they do. And the next thing you know, we are driving to Alabama. And as we get to Alabama, it hit us that the shirt that I bought was a Mississippi shirt, so they're not even going to, after all, they're not going to be able to exchange a Mississippi shirt in Alabama. So we said, we'll just drive around Mobile. We went to the, Civil, to the Revolutionary War Fort, toured that for a while, found out there was a USS Alabama. He said, have you ever been on a ship? I said, I haven't. He said, neither have I. We should go. We're here. So we, this was all supposed to be us just stopping to, to, to drink a Diet Coke before we're back on the can pit, right? So we see the fort, then we go to the ship, and then we stop. And of course, you have to have some Alabama cuisine when you're there, so we eat. And by this time, it's about 4 o'clock, and it hit us both. We are in big trouble. We get in the car, we go back another hour, back to Biloxi, and the can pit is totally finished. And we did think at that time it was supposed to be our grave. You know what happened? We got in trouble, and it's been a story forever. We can't live down, so I just share it with you today. But this is what happens when life gets hard sometimes, right? We get really distracted, and we go and do something fun instead of something we need to do. We go and do something else, and we totally forget about it. And some of us are totally forgetting maybe what's important. Not just now, maybe this isn't the first time in life this has happened to us, but other times, and there are folks today who are not going to hear my words of what I'm saying because they're not here, and they're also not watching online they used to they used to be here they used to watch online they used to do those things but they're not anymore because this got hard and it got difficult and it's not fun fun in the way we think of fun sometimes and they have just somewhere floated away it's what you call apathy right have you ever wondered how you spell apathy some of you are good spellers but you know is it is it A-P-I-T-H-Y or A-P-A-T-H-E-E or A-P-A-T-H-Y? You know, who cares, right? Who cares how you spell apathy? That's a joke, and y'all are so serious today. <laughs> At least when the masks were off, I can see if you're smiling. So today I have no idea. But who cares how you spell it? Because if you're apathetic, you don't care about much at all. And some of us, maybe we don't care much at all. Now, there are things that stir us up sometimes that get us excited. Sometimes politics gets us really excited. Sometimes whenever we talk about justice and injustice and all those things, what's right and wrong, sometimes we get really excited about those things. But I can tell you with any of them, if we talk about any of them for very long, we start getting a little bit apathetic sometimes. And when we talk about faith and we talk about, okay, we're going to be doing worship in a little bit different way. It's all going to be 
to God's glory and the way God wants it, but it's going to be different maybe than what we've imagined. And, and our ministries, are we're still going to do ministries, but they're going to be a little different than what we imagined. And it's just a little bit more awkward. And then after a while, it's like, who cares? Who cares? Why am I even doing any of this? Well, it is easy to be apathetic. It is easy just not to care, isn't it? Now, especially, it's easy to be apathetic. Right now and what's going on with this. You know, you think about when this started, and you remember that this is such a vibrant, wonderful congregation, and all of you are wonderful, honestly. I mean, 99.8% of you are wonderful, honestly. And <laughs> I know all of you are. But when this started... And you remember the time when, when, when the elders said, okay, we're only going to be online for a while? And so at first, whenever you, we had to go online, and some of you are still online, the majority are online, and you remember what that was like, and it was, oh boy, how are we going to work this? And so you knew the worship started at 10.30, and some of you at 10 o'clock or even earlier were trying to figure out your computers because you wanted it to be just, you wanted it to, to be right and find out if we were going to be on, did it work, how did all that work, and how's it going to function? And you got all the family together, and, and many of you were coming up to the church building and getting communion supplies. Others of you were doing something even in some ways more meaningful, making your own communion bread at home and getting your own juice and all that. And you were excited, and, and your family would all gather around together. And some of you have told me you were dressing up, even going into your living room, you were dressing up and watching and we're participating in worship, and others of you were, were saying, oh, this is interesting, we're all in our PJs as we're in worship service. You know what it was like, kind of people on both sides. And oh, it was exciting. But then it was different. And there wasn't everybody out in the foyer talking and shaking hands and going to lunch together and hugging and, and talking about what, what life was going to be like. And hey, I'll see you Wednesday night in Bible class, or I'll see you... In the, in the meeting that we're going to have this afternoon, the committee meeting, or whatever it is, or, or come over to our house later, didn't happen. And so after a while, things got kind of odd, didn't they? And you know, you still wanted, you still wanted to, to be a part because you have been going to church, so to speak, you know what I mean when I say going to church, all of your lives. Some of you have been coming to 900 Echo Lane your entire life, every Sunday you have been here even before you were born and you were in your mother's womb for nine months you were coming to 900 echo lane every sunday morning this is what you did what you do or you were going somewhere else and now you've been coming here for a year or two or 10 or 20 whatever and all oh, this is just what you do but now it's all out of whack now it doesn't all it just doesn't all jive together it's all kind of confusing and so now you get out your phone and and, and it's, on, it's on the screen, but you're looking at your phone, and then that article, that news alert comes up, and you're starting to read what's on that news alert, whether it's from CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or the Babylon Bee, whatever it is, that's what you start reading. And then before you realize, you're reading the next article and the next, and you're telling everybody in the room, hey, th I, I know this is important, but i got to tell you this. And then you realize the service is over. Oh. Or, you know, I'm gonna, I've got some other things to do. I'm going to have it on in the house while I do some other things, like mow the lawn. And it's still there, but it's not really there. And we start fading farther and farther 
away from that commitment that we have to God and that we have to each other. And what I pray is what I'm talking about is happening to no one or happening to people who live in other places. But my guess is it's also happening right here. And so all at once we start fading away from this commitment that we believe in so much that we have, some of us have been Bible class teachers or maybe we're ministers or elders or deacons or whatever. And now it's more what we used to be and what we claim to be, but it's not who we are. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, for example, who are, who are joggers, for example, you can say, yeah, I'm a jogger. And then sometimes you haven't jogged like in six months, but you're still saying, I'm a jogger. Even though I haven't gone in six months, yeah, I'm, I'm going back. Yeah, I'm going back. I'm a jogger. And then like four years later, I'm a jogger. But everybody's going, seriously? You know what I'm saying? Some of us with our faith, that's what happens. I'm a Christian. I go to church every Sunday. And then we realize, well, I, well, I haven't done that in a while, have I? Huh. It's kind of hard to be honest putting that one out there when, well, we all know, right? And so now it's difficult. But it's always been difficult. It has never been easy. Because we have always suffered with apathy, right? We have always dealt with that. People have always said, oh, I wanted to be a part of that ministry, but, you know, I just couldn't get myself out of bed. Oh, I wanted, I, I, was, I, meant, I was going to go on mission trip, but I never sent him a check. I never got around to it. Oh, but I wanted. So it's always been a little bit that way. Today I want to take us to Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12, a passage we often use, and appropriately so, about the Lord's Supper, but today I'm using it in a different way. And I also want you to know, I read an article back a week or two ago, however long ago it was, that I've borrowed some kind of a concept from. So I don't want you to think everything comes out of my, my head. It's mine, but I've borrowed this concept that we're going to hear today. And this is, this is the story, the true story that Luke wrote down, inspired by the Holy Spirit, about Paul and his journeys. And I want you to hear this. It says, On the first day of the week we came together to break bread. And Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story, and he was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and he put his arms around him, don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Well, then he went upstairs again, and he broke bread, and he ate. And after talking until daylight, he left. And the people took the young man home alive, and they were greatly comforted. <laughs> Story always makes me laugh a little bit. Can you imagine if, if I'm preaching away, and I've been going for a while, and someone falls out of the balcony, and I run back there and pick them up and say, Oh, no, they're not dead. They're alive. Go back to the balcony. And I just keep on preaching. Yeah, that would be hard to imagine, isn't it? But this is what Paul does. And so there they are in this, the way, what we know from archaeology, often these buildings were built out of wood and they would be like tenement buildings where lots of people would live, kind of like apartment buildings today. And then there might be a building that would be connected to it that would be an assembly hall that would be also built out of wood, really wouldn't have very many windows at all, often be really stuffy inside, although we know this one has at least one window, and it would have been probably where the Christians would have met 
often. And so for the sake of illustration today, this is just for illustration, Eutychus is going to represent apathy. Now, we don't know why Eutychus fell out of the window. Let me just say that right up front. We have no idea. Maybe someday we can ask him if we care to ask him. He probably is not going to be telling anyway. But we don't know why he fell out. But let's wonder for a few moments why that could have happened. Why would he have fallen asleep when, of all people, the Apostle Paul is preaching? I mean, if the Apostle Paul were to come and take the stage today, you can guarantee that I'm going to go sit down and listen. Of course, I I guess he'd be speaking English. It'd be a little bit difficult, right? But I would want to listen and want to hear. So why would he fall asleep? Well, if you look at that passage, it's easy to see. It was late at night, right? Eutychus might have worked all day long. We are so thankful this weekend. Our girls are both here. and, And we have had fun being with them the last few days and the first night we stayed up until past midnight and talked and it was just wonderful having them in our house and last night at 9 45 we're all yawning and it's like wow i can't believe it's only 9 45 you know and, and we all feel a little guilty but we all went to bed so you know maybe it's just late maybe he'd stayed up later he's worked all day he's a day laborer and and life was hard he might even be a slave and and he's worked and now here he is late at night it's interesting that enemies often attack at night because you can't see right in the dark but also we're not as quick on uh, at night sometimes our reflexes aren't as quick so an enemy would attack at night if it were a physical enemy but well you know that's kind of whenever the devil gets going sometimes too isn't it in my little town i grew up in my mom used to say you have to be home by midnight because nothing good happens after midnight used to make me frustrated i was out a few times after midnight and i can i never told her but nothing good happened after midnight and so it's that idea sometimes at night sometimes our minds are just kind of crazy right and think things they shouldn't think well enemies often attack at night it's late and there were these lamps these oil lamps it's interesting that luke says that specifically so you would have had this this oil this residue coming off the lamps but also you would have had old eutychus or others possibly staring at that flickering of the light we used to have them when we lived in oklahoma we had a fireplace and as soon as it got about 70 degrees for a high i was i was burning the fireplace at night like for five or six months a year i was burning a fire i mean it was it was weird but i did it all the time and i would stare at that fire and i mean some nights i would stay up an extra hour before going to bed because i was too mesmerized i could not move my body i was just so relaxed and and mesmerized by the blaze well, it's that idea maybe with him maybe it's just he's been looking at those lights and now he's totally relaxed boy some of us we haven't been with our christian friends and brothers and sisters worship is kind of odd for us at home on our computer or television screen things are different we don't we're not having bible class exactly the same way we're encouraging study and doing studies but it's different i wonder if we've just gotten really relaxed as we've just sat 
and watch the world go by. I wonder if, spiritually speaking, we're just so mesmerized by what's happened, we just almost don't move. Some of us, maybe we turn the TV on to a news station and we just keep watching it and watching it and watching it and we never leave it. Others of us, we're trying to watch other things to get our minds somewhere else. But the problem is maybe God isn't coming into the picture. Well, why else would he fall asleep? Maybe it's because he sat in a window. That could have been it. You know, if, you, if you're at the window, that's a good place to be if you're not real interested in what's going on, right? Because you can at least see what's happening outside. So here he is, and he can look outside, and he can look inside, and he can hear Paul and listen to what Paul has to say. But when Paul goes into some of those things that, that is really tough, like if he starts quoting Galatians to them, then he can all at once go, okay, I want to look outside and watch, I don't know what they would have played in Charles, bocce ball or whatever it is that they're doing out there. So it could be that he's having a trouble paying attention because his attention is divided. You know what I hear sometimes from my wife and my daughters? That sometimes it's not me looking out a window, but my phone is my window. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm, look, I'm listening to them and I'm looking at my phone. You know what I'm talking about? That sometimes the phone that, can, that is this incredible computer that's in our hands, all at once it distracts us from people and distracts us for maybe what is important, and maybe that's our window, like what Eutychus is dealing with here. So he's having a difficult time paying attention because he is sitting in a place where he will be distracted. Maybe that's part of the problem. So why would he fall asleep? Oh, I hate to bring this one up, but it is a long-winded preacher that he's listening to, right? I love the way it says it in the NIV. He preached on and on. <laughs> Not hilarious. Oh, it hurts. But he, he's long-winded. So maybe somewhere along the way he just lost interest in what was being talked about. Surely you have never lost interest in one of my sermons. I was waiting for an amen, but I'm sure they would have been there. Maybe that's part of what's going on. I think I'm hearing amens now. So there was an interesting poll from Gallup in 2013, a scary poll that said that only 30% of people in their jobs, only 30% are engaged and inspired with what they're doing for a living. 50% of people are present at their jobs, but disengaged from what's going on. I mean, they don't care. I'm just, I'm filing it away. I'm putting it away. I'm making the PowerPoint slide. I'm, I'm doing the accounting. I don't care though. And then another 20% are just flat disengaged and not present. Wow, that's really scary, isn't it? Especially if you're a business owner, it's really scary. Or if we think about the people who keep us safe, that's really scary. Could it be that sometimes we become Christians that are present but disengaged? Or even just totally disengaged and not present either? Could that actually happen? Yes, it happens all the time. And it even happens to preachers and elders and deacons and others. But I want you to know this morning that God is serious about important things. God is serious. He, doesn't, he, he, he loves us. He wants us. His love is so incredible. I love that line that Larry used today about the, the blood that flowed down Calvary's mountain. Is that not just, you can see that. He loves us. 
And he's also really, really serious about things. To the church in, in the ancient city of Laodicea, he says in Revelation 3, verses 16 and 17, he says to that church, he says, I know your deeds. I know that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, well, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, you are pitiful, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. Wow, could he have put it any straighter than that? Do you know people who sometimes say, who have a lot, sometimes say, well, this came from the Lord. You know, I'm blessed by the Lord, which is true. Don't, I don't want to think they're not. But they have no relationship with the Lord at all. They are blind, they are poor, they are naked, they are wretched, they are pitiful. And they say, well, the Lord gave me this. Well, maybe he did so you would do something good with it. Whether it's money or talent or time or whatever. Maybe he did because he is expecting something from you. Not for you to hoard it and just use it for yourself. That was never his intent. It was never what he wanted. So God says, I see that you are apathetic. And apathy leads to you being spit out of my mouth. Wow, that's very visual, isn't it? It's not what any of us want. But then in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5, he's talking to seven different churches. And here he's talking to the church in Ephesus. And so he says to this church in Ephesus that has forgotten their first love, he says, Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Wow. If you don't repent, then you're going to lose. I'm going to say you're not mine anymore. I'm going to take your lampstand. But with this word repentance is this incredible thought of grace. You repent and the grace is there. So Eutychus received grace, didn't he? Wow, how exciting. You know, Eutychus, he was like, wow, I'm alive again. I was dead, now I'm alive. I think I'll go hear the rest of that sermon. He preached until daylight, it says, the long-winded preacher. He got a second chance. Well, I, for one, and I don't know about how many of you, I don't need a second chance. I need a nine millionth chance. I need it over and over and over again because I have messed up over and over again. And I pray that I will never again sin. But when I'm honest, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to. But the blood of Jesus forgives our sin. Jesus takes away that sin. I come to him, Lord, I am so sorry. And he continually takes it away. As all of you know, or most of you know, I, I like baseball. Another night I was watching a game and they were talking about a pitcher who had had some time off. If you are a baseball fan, you know that a starting pitcher will pitch once or twice a week. It, it's not probably, it starts every four days or so, plays. And then a relief pitcher might play two or three times a week, depending and they were talking about this pitcher and how great it was that he had had a good rest. He had been off for a while and he was going to pitch the next night. And they were really excited. 
But they used a line that sounded like, wow, this is right for my sermon. They said, I hope that rest doesn't become rust. Could that be what Christians look like on the other side of pandemic? Could it be that the rust is just growing on us right now? Well, there is a way to get that rust off. There is a way. It comes when we recommit our lives to Christ if we've been baptized in him. It comes when we say, Lord, here I am. I'm coming back. I want you, please. And for some of us, it means that we haven't started that road and we need to be baptized into Jesus. And we're sorry for what we've done. We believe in him. And we say, Lord, you are my Lord now. From now on. I'm with you. And then we're baptized into Christ and, and he forgives our sins. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're part of his kingdom. All those things we talked about last week, it's incredible. Incidentally, Terry Montgomery's mother was immersed into Christ last week. That's fantastic. But do you realize we may be a little bit rusty. We may need to come back. When Bear Bryant was the coach at Alabama in 1973, they won the, the, the national championship. And the story is attributed to several people, but he's the one, I think, where it all starts with. In 1973, Bear Bryant was in the, in the locker room with his players before the game, and the band was already playing outside in the stadium, and, and the fans had filled that stadium with tens of thousands of people, and the cheerleaders were out there, and people were yelling, and the announcers were, were doing their job, and Bear Bryant had the last words to say to his team before they took the field that day. And he said, it said, the story says that he looked at everybody in the eye, and what he said to them was, guys, today... This game comes down to four or five key plays. And he said, I don't know what those four or five key plays are. But he said, those four or five key plays are going to change the momentum either for us or for the other team. And one or the other, it's just all, that's all the difference is going to be here. Four or five plays, and I don't know what they are. And you don't know what those four or five plays are either. So therefore, you have to focus on every play for us to win. And they won the national championship. For us today, there is no time to lose focus with our faith. There is no time to take our eyes off Jesus. There is no time to say, oh, I'm just going to go sow my wild oats. That does not exist in the kingdom of God. You are listening to false teaching if you think it's okay to have a little time of, of sowing wild oats. It doesn't exist. A disciple of Jesus is, committed to, is to be committed to, this, to Jesus from the moment they are baptized into Christ until the moment they die. And since we never die, it means it's forever. So this is my prayer. Lord, I want to try. Please help my apathy. Am I willing to at least try? Do I care enough to try? 
God will fill in the places where we don't quite get it right. He'll help us along the way. He will perfect us along the way. So this morning, if you want to respond publicly, for those of you who are here, that would be fantastic. You can be baptized into Christ. You can, you can uh, ask for prayers. But you can also send in questions and prayer requests. Let us know if the prayer requests are public or private. To elders at mcoc.org so that we can help with those things. But we want to be closer to God. We don't want to be apathetic. We want to be renewed and strong and faithful to the one who, was, who died and was resurrected. Come as we stand and sing.